Hello, I'm Jill Baker of the Health Science Limited team, and I'd like to welcome you to Hempton Zero's Inquest podcast with Liz Stokes and Elspeth Rose, who are both members of Hempton's healthcare advisory team. Hello, Liz. Hello. And hello, Elspeth. Hello. Both Liz and Elspeth cover inquests across the north of England and have significant experience in various um, coroner's courts. The idea is that these podcasts will take listeners through the journey of an inquest, giving helpful background and advice. We'd love to hear from you with any particular comments you have or suggestions for the particular areas you would like us to cover. To do so, just drop me an email at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. This is the second in our um, series of pod, um, series of inquest podcasts, and this particular topic is looking at um, witness preparation. I'm going to hand over to Elspeth to kick off the discussion as to why witnesses are called. Thank you, Jill. So, um, just starting back and sort of referring, um, linking up with our first podcast, you may remember that we explained that a coroner um, is trying to ascertain through his or her coronial investigation uh, the answer to four statutory questions. So who the person was, when and where they died and how they came about their death. There are slightly other scopes that we'll talk about later on um, and uh, in later on in the series. Um, but on the whole, the most of the inquests that we deal with deal with that sort of limited scope. So the reason that um, and a witness can be called is essentially to be able to assist in answering one or more of those questions. And the coroner will, when they've opened their investigation, they will go about collating um, documents, evidence, um, statements and reports um, from different individuals um, to sort of help build that picture so that they, um, when it does come to the inquest hearing, they'll be able to answer those those questions confidently. And the coroner has discretion to ask really whoever they want, um, whoever they deem um, relevant to the inquest that can help them answer those questions. And in the same way, they can um, seek disclosure of any relevant documentation unless it's uh, protected by legal privilege. Um, that so any documenta- documentary evidence, be it you know medical records, statements, um, comments, or reports, as part of that investigation. So, talking of documents, Liz, can you talk us through what happens if um, you've been asked to prepare a report as a witness? Yeah, obviously, um, you you might be called as to prepare a, a statement or report for various different purposes. You might be required to provide it if you have been involved in a particular incident or whether you have been involved, if it's a hospital death, whether you've been involved in the care of an individual. Or you might also be um, required to provide um, a statement or report um, in terms of any investigation or um, serious incident review that was undertaken or at a, a slightly later stage of the investigation, provide details of um, lessons learned and action taken by uh, a trust or an organisation to provide assurances to the coroner to um, address any concerns that may have been identified and um, the specific risks of prevention of future death reports, which again, we'll talk about later in, in future podcasts. So what do I put in a statement? It. I, this is a subject in it 
for a training session all in itself, but broadly, um, the statement will form the basis of, of the of evidence and therefore it's important to be as detailed and comprehensive as you possibly can. Um, generally, you'd, you'd provide a chronological overview of the events or um, record of individuals details and you'd provide this factually with reference to other records or documents and other any, any information that might inform it. So general um, advice would include things like not using acronyms, making sure you use the uh, patient or individual's name um, spelt correctly to ensure that details are absolutely factually correct and if you don't know any of the details to, to, to make reference to this. And in general terms, the more information that you can provide in a statement, the less room there is for a, a coroner or family members to ask additional um, questions. So the more information you put in, the, the, the easier of a time you may have, and this is only in general, um, during the actual inquest hearing itself. Is that your uh, experience, Elspeth? Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, sort of preparation, preparation, preparation really is, is the key, whether it's to um, assist the coroner to so that they like you said they might not need to actually call you to give evidence and sort of additional evidence um, because it could answer just questions or nip things in the bud sort of straight away you know one, one of the things I notice is that um, for instance clinicians might refer to um, blood pressure or um, you know different specifics and different observations but they don't say put it into context as to what's alarming or what's what's in a normal range and things like that um, are quite important and I think that's why um, you know again preparation and making sure it's comprehensive is so important. Um, there and are also instances aren't there where where just a very detailed and clear explanation of events or what happened by a clinician or a, or a healthcare professional can go an awful long way to assuring the family and, and as you say even remove the need for an inquest in its entirety in some cases if the family or the coroner are satisfied that actually there is a clear and detailed explanation that that may actually remove the need to attend um, an inquest in person. Yeah, and keep it like you said, keeping it factual. So not speculating. Um, if if you don't if you don't know and you can't say, obviously you can make an educated, um, you know, provide an educated and informed opinion. Um, where you know where you explain that's that's sort of the the basis of of what you're giving. But um, don't guess. Um, you know, it's not helpful to anyone. And keep it. You know, keep it sort of neutral I would say in terms of um, neutral and factual in terms of descriptions of events um, and yeah, it's important also isn't it to, to, to keep in terms in mind in what capacity you've been asked to provide that information yeah. I mean whether um, you know, in terms of your involvement rather than commenting on others involvement as well and, and to what degree you've been asked to for your opinion on, on issues rather than just the facts I think um, it's just important to know at the beginning of writing a statement what the purpose of the statement is for um, and what you've actually been asked to do. And if there's any doubt, to, to seek some clarity around it. And I think there are sometimes when, when families raise specific concerns and, and it might be appropriate to address those head on within a statement mm -hmm. as well. I think even by the fact that we are um, 
sort of discussing this and saying and and think of this and think of that um shows how sort of um uh you know how how we have to be aware of um sort of inferences and and the complexities of um preparing for and providing witness statements um and we get well i get a lot of questions and i'm guessing you will get similar questions liz um lots of people sort of saying why why have i been chosen um to provide a statement um and you know what other witnesses are being called um I tend to find um sorry not necessarily called uh, asked to give um a report um so they may not be called later but um often the family will provide a statement which is actually very helpful to be able to sort of see where the the inquest and the concerns really lie from sort of a family perspective um and often we we have sort of a um post-mortem reports so um the pathologist can be involved um and then like liz said you know there's um sort of individuals involved in sort of the events leading up to the death that can provide that sort of uh factual factual matrix and and um sort of events the chronology of events um but also at this point i would say that if you've been asked to give a statement but you don't think you are the um you know the appropriate individual to give it then politely and respectfully sort of flag that because sometimes um the coroners uh, you know might see your name on a document but there might actually be another sort of clinician or individual who's more actively involved and i i see this a lot and i imagine liz you do as well yeah, definitely. It's really important that the coroner has all the information that he needs for the investigation. And if there is some further information that can be obtained um, from someone else, whilst not obviously wanting to be um, obstructive in any way, it's important to raise it, I think. So we've talked a lot about what should be in the statement. And as you mentioned, that this could go on forever. But I mean, we can't write statements for individuals. And it's really important that the evidence that is provided in the statement is absolutely accurate and your own evidence um, and that's something that we we have to reiterate as well um but although we can't write statements for you we can provide witness support and and i think there's often times when when individuals do need additional support when they're faced with the prospect of either writing a statement and then proceeding on to inquest um and, and support can be around what issues to expect um at the inquest as well as the process itself yeah, and I think that support not only goes um, obviously directly to the um, sort of witnesses, but also, um, you know, we support quite often kind of the legal teams or teams that are within, for instance, trusts or um, in relation to different organisations um, and help assist them because obviously it's quite a, um, a monumental task to um coordinate so many different people so so we do support sort of the legal teams as well um and i think part of that support is explaining um as liz said um sort of just reminding and reiterating about um individuals professional obligations um you know that uh, it will be a, sort of a, a given and then and, and appreciate that you know your professionals know know your obligations but it's just as a, there is a supportive reminder as to um you know full and frank disclosure 
um, you know, this is your evidence and you'll be giving it under oath. And so it needs to be correct and accurate. And um, you need to be confident in in that um, statement and what you're saying and know how you prepared it and where you got that information from. And so that's another part of our sort of role is to help kind of um, assist and support you from that perspective. Um, And quite often we get asking if individuals, well, if people witnesses should be individually represented. And again, I think for the most part, um, we are able to represent sort of multiple witnesses from um, organisations. But it's very much a caveat this by saying it's sort of on a case by case basis. And I think, Liz, you'd probably agree with that as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. We're, there, there are circumstances where the, the evidence of individuals may conflict with each other or it may conflict with the findings of an investigation. And there are circumstances that have to be looked at where an individual may, in certain circumstances, require to be individually represented. But those occasions are fairly few and far between. And as, as you say, Elspeth, they, they have to be looked at based on the very particular facts of each case. And that's something else that we, we've come across and can, can look at um, uh, individually. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's um, sort of a brief overview, isn't it, to help? It doesn't seem to put into, into, into the whole picture, does it, of, of the extent of um, preparation that is needed for an inquest. Um, and it does feel like a very whistle-stop tour of, of preparation. But hopefully that will be This is what use. these podcasts are, are there, aren't they, too? Um, we can give a bit of a flavour to the, the topics, but obviously we're here for um for any of the listeners to ask further questions or if they need um particular support then um we're always happy to help that's really interesting actually it's you you both sort of right at the end there you know realized yourselves you know what what an enormous task the preparation (laughs) for an inquest is And, and certainly for me listening to you there that that very much came through I mean as in many, many areas of life, preparation, preparation, preparation is often key. And and it really does sound to me like it's absolutely fundamental when it comes to being a witness. Um, I mean, the other key point that that sort of came across to me was very much that whole idea of think about why you've been called as a witness Mm -hmm. as well. I thought that was that was particularly interesting um, and the context. um, But again, alongside the idea of preparation was very much keep it factual, you know, give a very full and frank statement um, and and that sort of factual evidence without, um, you know, sort of putting forward, if you like, the opinions or or whatever at that stage, unless that's the reason you've been called, you know, and that would be something that would be very clear. Sometimes the coroners do specifically ask, don't they? They say, what is your opinion on on this specific issue? Um, and, And so, you know, you can answer it because you've been directly asked you know to provide that but you can also you know you have to feel comfortable so you can caveat it and and explain you know the the from what perspective um but again that's part of the preparation isn't it exactly i think you're full frank open and honest i think is is the message to take away from yeah yeah oh well thank you yeah 
No, I think um, I found that really, really helpful. Thank you very much. You know, just from my point of view, I, I thought there was um, some really sort of good key points there. As you say, and I and I know with the two of you, you could keep talking forever, and you could give more and more. <laughs> cut us off. This is this is what you're doing. So I am going to now cut you off and say thank you very much. And I'm just going to say to our listeners that I hope you found it as interesting as the three of us. And if you do have any comments, as usual, please do get in touch, and you can email me at j.baker at hempsons.co.uk. Um, we'll also be putting out episode three within the next couple of weeks. And that one is actually on giving evidence and what to expect. So thank you very much. Thanks, Liz. And thanks, Elspeth. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye.